Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to a different creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with Soprano, University of Mississippi professor and a recipient of this year's Performing Arts Fellowship, Nancy Mariah Fallish. And I just have to say that the fellowship is, is a very sought after award. It is merit-based. It is very competitive. So congratulations. Well, and thank you. Yeah, and, and thanks for being here. I'm so excited to learn more about you. Well, first off, let me say, I wanna thank the Arts Commission and I wanna thank you for all of your work because it's, it's moments like these that really bring um, inspiration and bring um, joy. And mm -hmm. I know how hard you work and, and the entire entity. So thank you for this opportunity to speak with you today. And thank you also for the award. It's, it's really appreciated. Well, thank you. Obviously our panelists were incredibly impressed and, and very excited to, to, hear your, to hear your music. So uh, we're gonna dive right in and talk about where that started for you. I mean, where did, where did you grow up first of all? So I grew up in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in Bethel Park and um, to non-musicians. Um, both of my parents are, were, are retired now, but public educators and just put a lot of emphasis on exploring the arts. And I'm grateful for that because it's something that really clicked with me. I was actually a very, very shy child outside of the home. And um, it was through the arts that I really found my voice literally and figuratively, and my people. And I was very fortunate to go through a public school system in Bethel Park where the arts were supported and promoted. Uh, wonderful music teachers through the years. I was just discussing this with a student here at the university yesterday. I mean, for my high school musicals, it was the thing to do. Whether you were an <laughs> athlete, whether you were a musician, whether you were theater, everybody wanted to be in it. And I'm, I'm shocked by districts and places nowadays where they make kids choose. They make them choose one path or the other. It should be and not or, but I was very fortunate to grow up um, in, in that way and to be supported and uh, had a profound opportunity as an eighth grader to audition to be in a production with the Opera Theater of Pittsburgh and be in a touring show of Hansel and Gretel, an opera. And I tell you, I thought I was big stuff as that eighth grader when I got selected for that because the pay wasn't so huge or anything, but the fact that I was actually getting paid to go on tour to do this opera was just mind blowing to me in a real formative moment. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I wanna do this. And at that moment, I met one of my main mentors, mm -hmm. Mildred Miller Posvar, an incredible mezzo-soprano who had a huge career at the Metropolitan Opera. And she stayed a mentor for me through all my years um, as a child and through my undergrad and very grateful for all that she taught me and, and showed me. So with Hansel and Gretel being an opera, was that your first kind of taste of, of opera or had you done like more like mainstream musicals and then, you know, you hit the opera. So tell us about that. 
That's a great question because I mean, growing up, I mean, I was listening to the radio and the thing I really grew up on, truth be told, and now being so close to Tupelo, this is hilarious, but I grew up with a lot of Elvis Presley records that my dad had putting on the record player and just dancing around. I mean, I was obsessed with Elvis Presley as a child, but then also musicals. Mm -hmm. So that was really what, what I knew and what I was exposed to. I mean, when Sound of Music came on, you know, once a year, like the world stopped, like everything came to a halt. Wizard of Oz, you remember these days, right? Or you're oh, yeah. me. I don't know. But it was no, like, I remember. <laughs> I, I mean, everything stopped and it was like, oh my gosh, it was like my Super Bowl, right? Um, but I had the fortune of taking lessons in a community music school called the Center for Theater Arts in Mount Lebanon. And through that, um, this opportunity came to audition for an opera, which would have never entered my mind. But I remember vividly what I sang. I sang Till There Was You from The Music Man, which is a piece from a musical, but lends itself to a more classical approach. And did the audition, didn't even, you know, didn't even know what it was going to mean, but then was selected. And it was a really great moment. It was back to your initial question, Leslie. Sorry about this. Um, no, it this was great. my first exposure to, to opera and what that embodied. And what's interesting is, is the opera, Hansel and Gretel, we think of it very childlike, but it's actually a very rich, rich, lush orchestration. And it was to be in that moment as an eighth grader. And I thought, oh my goodness, listen to these sounds coming from this orchestra. And to this day, I'm getting chill bumps right now. There is nothing like singing with an orchestra. It is mm. the most amazing experience to, to be engulfed and supported in that type of sound. So yeah, it, it was an amazing experience. It was, it opened my eyes to a whole other world. And as I said, my parents were not, musicians but thankfully they they took us to things Heinz Hall is is one of the main venues in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and getting to go downtown and getting to go to whether it was the ballet or the opera mm -hmm. was was such an amazing experience and my dad was a was a principal and he made a point in his elementary school to make sure every child K through five was a K through five school by the time they left that school they had been exposed to a musical an opera, a symphony, a ballet, whether those touring shows coming through. And, and that's why to this day, you know, it's the things that you experience that have such, or that you don't get to experience that have profound impact on you. And that's why I, I have so much respect. I'll, I'll say a local name, Stephen Bias, who's the conductor for the North Mississippi Symphony. Mm -hmm. It's always such a pleasure getting to collaborate with him because his dedication to, to bringing music to the community and and um, incorporating that engagement involvement is so sincere and heartfelt that uh, I've considered a profound gift to get to work with him. For instance, the Carnegie Hall link up concerts mm -hmm. that, that he's made a point of doing throughout the state and, uh, and I've had the opportunity to work and perform with him on those and, and getting to bring that to so many Mississippi children. I mean, who knows? Whether you're talking about my dad, you know, back in the 70s, or you're talking now in 2021, you don't know, even if it's one child out of that group, that, that their eyes are opened and, and opportunity of what is possible, or even just, I'm, I'm getting misty as I'm saying this, but mm -hmm. even the fact that music, it just, it bypasses the brain and it goes to the heart and it, it, mm -hmm. it allows us to feel and experience things. It's such a gift, such a gift, whether you're going to be a performer or you're going to be an appreciator. Oh, absolutely. I, my background's in theater and I 
worked at a theater in Memphis for several years in in outreach and education. And we had a touring company. And then we also did shows at the theater that schools would come to. And I knew, we knew that we were often the very first exposure to the art form that, that kids had. And we tried to take that so, you know, that responsibility so seriously because it really can be a life changer for kids. So, I mean, I, I totally relate to that and I love hearing you talk about it. And while we're talking about it, tell us more about that Carnegie Hall series because that's incredible. Yeah, so there's a program through Carnegie Hall and they provide these materials. Actually, the actual educational materials are free of charge. And yeah. what Stephen Bias does though, he works with granting agencies, including your granting <laughs> agency, um, and also you know entities that support like Toyota and take an underwriting to support the funding to, for the orchestra to be involved with this. But what's different about the Carnegie Link Up program than most, um, we'll call them children series, is that the children work through a curriculum with their own music teacher in their home school before coming to the concert. And I'm gonna praise, Stephen doesn't know I'm talking about him today. I wasn't planning on this, I'll have to tell him after the fact, but he makes a point of visiting every school that's involved. So they actually meet the conductor and he engages with them. Then when those children come, to the space where the concert takes place. Um, they're prepared, right? They have been, they have, they have learned the curriculum. They've either learned songs to sing or they play on a recorder or they bring their stringed instrument. And instead of just sitting there and consuming what the orchestra does, they collaborate. And That's they're incredible. part of the concert. And I'm telling you, it is a fantastic curriculum. Um, the children, the way they respond is, is intense and it, it's a different level of experience. So I, I think it's wonderful. We've only done it once here in Oxford. I would love for it to be a, a regular thing, but it has taken place in the state and it's a national thing. It happens, you know, across the United States, but Carnegie Hall is really committed to it and they've invested a lot in making sure it is a top-notch curriculum. And I think there are now there are at least four different programs you can do, like the orchestra sings, the orchestra rocks, there's these different mm -hmm. ones. Um, but like I said, instead of just sitting and taking it, they're doing it. That's incredible. I want to go witness that. I just want well, to be my guest that. the next time. I'll make sure you know and you can please. Come, okay. I'm there. I'm there. Right. That's amazing. Because that that's just, I know I'll get all teary-eyed and just <laughs> I just love it. That's incredible. So, okay, so that, you know, hearing about your background and how um, witnessing, you know, being part of the arts, not just seeing it, but was there something that you saw, like, as a, as a young person, whether you were a child or a teenager, that you were like, wow, that's just life-changing? Wow, if I had to pick a moment, that's hard. It's probably so um, many. <laughs> that, no, it's hard. I would think, um, I mean, gosh, I don't know if there was just this absolute moment where it was like the click of, mm. of music or performing. I think it would be many things. I mean, gosh, this sounds silly, but I mean, I do remember the first time I'm repeating myself, but the first time I saw the sound of music, mm. that was just, it, it changed, it changed my world. Um, I was also fortunate and I, and I realized I've, I've been fortunate um, I remember as a child going to my first symphony concert. Mm. I mean, I was, I was allowed that privilege. I wish every human could have that opportunity. So it's hard for me to narrow it down to one, 
Mm -hmm. I will say, I remember vividly the moment I knew that this performing thing was pretty cool. And that was singing a solo for the first time at church and getting up and realizing, wait a minute. Um, and I, I, I didn't understand it at the time in this way, but now years later as a uh, older adult, um, the fact that I was getting to share, mm -hmm. but someone else had created, I got to be the detective of this other piece of art that then I got to process in my way, based on my views and, and experiences, not so profound at that young age, but, and then share it. And then to see I'm communicating mm. with a whole group of people and, and I'm getting to be this vessel. And I talk about this all the time now with my students, you know, how we have to serve the art and how that very first step, even though you're a performer, you have to take the time to investigate the lyrics to investigate what the composer did. And, and if they're no longer with us, yes, you, you know, there are books you can read and interviews you can see, but you have to take that time to really try to figure out how and why they did what they did. You're forming a relationship with that individual. So then when you introduce whoever you're gonna introduce that art to, you do it from a, a very sincere, organic place that performing is not putting on the performance. It is a deep, invested relationship and I so I remember that very vividly and was like oh my gosh because there's no applause right you're singing in church there's no I'm <laughs> there's no applause there's no amens there's nothing it's silence <laughs> but it was like wow I got to do this and that was a moment and again I'll, I'll mention a mentor Walt Horsley was he wrote mm -hmm. a lot of children children's cantatas I was fortunate he was our music director at the time and um he wrote some really wonderful pieces and he gave me many opportunities within that home church environment to just explore the arts. Um, we did sacred dance at my church, which was, again, is not very typical Presbyterian. Um, yeah. Anyways, but that moment, Leslie, I really do remember it was like, you know what? I want to do this again and again and again. Oh, I love that. And you know, it's such a great segue. you talking about the interpretation of this art is that you are working on a musical right now, The Light of the Piazza. And we're gonna talk a lot about that. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at five. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening.
listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with Professor and Chair of the University of Mississippi's Music Department, Nancy Mariah Bolish. So Nancy, we're so excited to have you here. And to keep Yeah, to keep talking. So, you know, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you at the University of Mississippi are currently working on a production of Light at the Piazza. So first of all, tell us what your role in that production is. Great question. So um, I actually get to act as the producer of, of this production. And for this academic year, we have a visiting faculty artist with us, her artist in residence, Blake McIver Ewing, who is here from Los Angeles. He is co-teaching our opera theater course with mm. our music director, Amanda Johnson. And we, we will be doing a search for a full-time opera director. Just plug that in if anyone's listening, be on the lookout if anyone wants to apply. Um, but, but Blake is with us. And when we were thinking what to do for this year, um, I'm a kind of go big or go home kind of person, mm-hmm. decided to do this production of The Light in the Piazza. And it, it makes a lot of sense to do this in 2021. The novella that the musical is based on was written by Elizabeth Spencer, Mississippi's own Elizabeth Spencer. And this is the hundredth anniversary of the year of her birth. So we wanted to celebrate this, this female writer from Mississippi. And when we decided to do this, bringing in Blake, Blake has performed the role of Fabrizio from the production before, mm-hmm. and he uh, directed it in an LA version. So we brought him in and he has been working with our students all semester. And what's great about this score, and this ties back to what I was saying earlier um, with the sound of music to a certain degree, um, or, or when I was auditioning for an opera and I used a musical selection, this is a musical, but the orchestration is so um, lush and, and exquisite and the type of musician that it takes to do this is a, it's a more complicated score. It's a, it's a show that has been done both on Broadway and in opera houses. So it's like this perfect mesh for us because it's falling under this opera theater umbrella, but it is a musical and we're just getting to do so many things with it. Mm. I have no idea if I answered your question, but I'm, I'm, I'm no, sure. You did. <laughs> you did tell us a little bit about what a producer does in the university setting. Great, 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 great. So what I do is I'm, I'm organizing all the moving parts with this. So I'm, I'm sort of have the big picture. And I, I want to say, I want to praise upper administration here at the University of Mississippi. When I initially pitched this idea to them about bringing in Blake and celebrating Elizabeth Spencer and, and really doing something rather large, they were totally on board. Provost Wilkin, Dean Cohen, um, just really supportive of the arts and this idea of what this production could serve. So I look at the big picture, all the main parts, the budget, making sure we have the right um, musical team and production team. And in this time of COVID, navigating how we manage you know, COVID protocols, which, which I've become rather good at as a chair of a music department over the, uh, in semester number four of COVID. Um, 
so really looking at all those moving parts and making sure things go as smoothly as possible and making sure communication is key and that we put on the best production mm -hmm. possible. And what's cool about this production, besides the other things I've mentioned, <laughs> is that it is involving our current students. It's involving two alumni and we have the professional component. So we're really, mm. we're hitting it all. And I think that's something we really have a responsibility to do in higher ed. Mm. I think um, sometimes in higher ed, we can get in a bubble and think the way we do it, where we do it is the way it is. And that's not the way of the world or the way or the lay of the land. And I'm really proud as producer of this, that our students are getting connected mm. with the alumni. They're getting connected with folks who are working in the professional world. And back to where I started with this, also with our upper administration, sometimes there can be a disconnect, right? You know, how do we get better communication between students and faculty and staff and upper admin? And, you know, the reality is, and it's a basic way to put it, but we're all on the same team. We're all on the mm. same team at the University of Mississippi. Guess what? We're all on the same team if we're, if we're artists. And guess what? We're all on the same team as humans on this earth. So let's work together. Let's play nice. So that's what's happening. And um, that's what I get to do in this role as producer. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, a guest that you had come in that, that had played Fabrizio before and that he's working as a professor. So tell us a little bit more about, I believe there's another guest artist too, is that right? So tell us, a, tell us a little bit about these professionals that have come to Mississippi to do this show. Yeah, so, um, so Blake, he has been a producer and a performer in this show and now he is directing our production here at the University of Mississippi. So he's bringing a wealth of knowledge. Mm. Um, when this score was originally written by Adam Gettle, it was uh, a very large orchestration. Um, Blake had the privilege of being one of the first places to do it with a reduced orchestration, which didn't become available for public consumption until years after the initial premiere um, at Lincoln Center. Um, I'm really excited that next week we are actually hosting Adam Gettle here at the University of Mississippi. So the composer of this work wow. is coming to Oxford, is coming to Mississippi, and he's very excited. Um, we're wow. excited to host him. And while he's here, he will be working with the cast individually. He'll be working with them as an ensemble. He will be doing a South Talk through our Southern Studies on Wednesday, November 3rd at noon in Paris Yates Chapel on our campus. That evening, November 3rd at 7.30 p.m., um, he's gonna be on a, a live stream show called LMR Live. I realize this will air after it. I'm realizing that now as I'm saying all this, but you can watch it after the fact. Wonderful. Uh, through the Living Music Resource. And also while he was, is on campus, he, um, he's doing a masterclass. And all of these things are open and free to the public. And uh, Adam Gettle is a Tony award-winning composer. Mm. He is a, a profound um, success in his own right. I think it's also noteworthy if folks, folks are thinking, well, I've never heard that name. Let me give you a context that you'll understand. He is the grandson of Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. So you talk <laughs> it's about royalty, opinion, musical it's theater royalty. It's royalty. And I mean, I, I can't wait to talk about this with him, you know, the, mm. the pressure or the expectation that must have been on him from, you know, being the grandson of, and his mother also exceptionally successful in her right, uh, Mary Rogers. Um, and not only did he step up, I mean, he's had huge success on his own mm. and I can't wait to pick his brain on those things. So we, the state of Mississippi, are going to be hosting him 
It'll be his first time here in Oxford and just really excited about that. And how cool for these performers. I said earlier, you know, when you, when you study the work, sometimes the, the, the original creator isn't with us anymore. We can't talk to Elizabeth Spencer, who the book is based upon, but we get, they're going to get this time with the composer who, who created this magical work. And hopefully we are doing right by what we've been mm -hmm. shared with. We've done enough investigating, which I know we have because Blake is a fantastic director and, and the cast has just been so immersed. But it's going to be a whole level of experience. And that's something I'm very committed to as, mm -hmm. as an artist and as a, as a teacher and mm -hmm. as a chair of making sure we connect that there's this sense of community, whether it's with the up and coming, whether we're acting as an advocate for an up and coming artist, or whether we're connecting with someone who is a star, Adam Gettle is a star, and how do we connect our, our rising artists with that star and make their growth and development that much more profound or significant. Another component with this mm -hmm. is that the role of Margaret is being played by Mary Donnelly Haskell, who has done the role before. She was part of that production with Blake out on the West Coast. Wow. And, you know, uh, just exciting to, to have her in this production as mm -hmm. an alum, as an accomplished individual herself and interacting with the students. And from day one, it was so neat. From day one, she just has immersed herself and just shared with these students. And, you know, as an artist, those moments when you get to just have those casual conversations with someone about how they do life. Um, I'll never forget mine. I mean, those are the moments where it's like the amazing learning takes place, right? About how you're going to walk those steps. What's going to be next? Not that you imitate what anyone else has done, but you can, you can learn from it and be inspired. So the, the many facets of this project are I hope I haven't lost anybody in describing them, but that is really multifaceted, Leslie. No, it's it's incredible to hear about. I mean, what an what just an amazing experience for these students. I can I mean, they I, I'm sure they are just having the time of their lives on this production. Absolutely, and what's neat too, um, you know, faculty getting the mm. opportunity. Like I've said, do, do you want? Do, would you like some alone time with Adam Gettle to just talk to work? And I mean, how often do we even get that, right? Um, and, and that's gonna be happening. So it's, it, it's pretty neat and, and it's amazing. He was so willing to come and be so generous mm -hmm. with his time. So um, we're pretty tickled, we're pretty tickled. And Mississippi, I mean, because of Elizabeth Spencer, we have this musical. If it wasn't for her, from a female, from the state of Mississippi, you know, we, we, we owe it to her. So we, we aim to do right by her in celebrating um, Elizabeth Spencer through our production. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard about this, especially since you've been researching Ms. Elizabeth Spencer, but we have a writer's trail here in Mississippi, um, the Mississippi Writer's Trail. And, you know, we definitely have some writers <laughs> from Mississippi. 100% yeah. writers and, and musicians and food. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We got you covered on all of those things. And Elizabeth Spencer um, recently got her marker, her writer's trail marker. So it, I believe it was in the past year that she did. So it's up, it's there. So that's something that is, is another really cool connection. Those moments uh, are so important. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, the writer's trail or the blues trail. Um, it, 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 it's so important. It's so great that those things are happening. Well, you know, 
this is a great chance for people that are close enough to Oxford to experience this work themselves. So tell us how people can come see the show and when it is. Absolutely. So the production is happening Friday, November 19th at 7.30 p.m. or Sunday, November 21st at 3 p.m. in the Ford Center on the University of Mississippi campus in Oxford, Mississippi. And you can visit the website for the Ford Center to get tickets that way. I'll go so bold as to say, even feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, am I allowed to give out my, my email on here? Or It is totally up to you, absolutely. I'm absolutely willing if anybody wants to email me at nm. B-A-L-A-C-H at olemiss.edu. Please reach out or visit the uh, University of Mississippi Music website. So you have three ways to go. Um, I would be thrilled if you reached out to me. Um, it's in the Ford Center. It's a magnificent space. If you have not visited um, that space, it's worth coming to. And uh, we're really thrilled to be in there. Um, but those, that is how you get tickets. And we would be thrilled to have you as our guests. So you can go, you can spend the evening in Oxford, go to dinner, go see the campus, go see this incredible show, and you know how to get tickets. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker from the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Oxford resident and one of this year's Performing Arts Fellowship recipients, Nancy Mariah Bolish. So we've been talking about the University of Mississippi's production of Light in the Piazza, the Light in the Piazza. So tell us a little bit about the story. What are you going to hear? What are you going to see when you come to this show? Well, first off, I want to give it, it's an invitation. You don't need a passport, but for the evening or the afternoon, we are going to take you on a trip to Italy mm-hmm. and put you in a piazza. And I think it's, it, this is another reason why it's fitting for us to do this in Oxford, because we have such a lovely square, like our own little piazza. We have our lovely campus where we have, whether it's the fountain over by the library or another little piazza. So come to Oxford to be transported to Italy. And within this show, um, you have these two main characters, uh, Margaret and her daughter, Clara. Clara suffered an injury as a child mm-hmm. and is a, is develop, developmentally disabled. And, but you can't tell it by just looking at Clara. And they travel to Italy um, and Clara uh, falls in love with Fabrizio and it presents some challenges. I'm not gonna tell too much because I wanna make sure people come and are sort of hanging on. But the piece you heard, Fable, it, it really encapsulates 
what so many of us go through in our lives of that balance of family, community, and what binds us as an idea as an individual versus sort of the social infrastructure. And that's what Margaret's really dealing with through this whole show. And she doesn't come to this final realization of what, uh, what risks are worth taking in life until the end of the show. And she realizes it, she doesn't get to experience it all through her own life, but she gets to encourage that type of journey through her daughter. So I, I'm being specific, but hopefully not too specific because I want people who haven't seen the show to really um, be able to process it freshly. I think that's really important and to see how it resonates on them, but it's, it has depth, but it also has lightheartedness in life. So, um, that would, that would, that would be my nutshell. That was a big nut, but in my, my nutshell explanation. How big is the cast? It's not a huge cast. Um, so what we've done, you have your core leads and then our director has enhanced it. But what's very neat is that any time that there are, there's moving of set, it's really like a choreographed dance number that we have mm. the, the, what would normally be our tech crew that would maybe be in all black and you wouldn't, aren't supposed to notice are going to be costumed and mm. moving things. And they are part of the show. So it really has this seamless, his approach is very, I don't think it's ever been done before. It's really a really very innovative, clever approach that we're excited about. And then in terms of the orchestra, it's a five-piece orchestra. So there's an intimacy to it, yet it is a large production. Is this a collaboration with the theater department or is this solely a music? Great question. Yeah. So it is falling under the Department of Music umbrella. It's part of the Opera Theater course, but we are working with the theater department, especially with some of the tech needs, them and collaborating, and they've, they've been phenomenal. That's another thing that I want to say about the University of Mississippi that, that's newer in recent years, really looking at our arts entities mm -hmm. and working more as a unified front, meaning theater, music, and art. Um, I always say we have the pleasure of being under the College of Liberal Arts umbrella, which I mean sincerely um, by today's standards, if you're, if you're gonna be an artist, you, you have to really, you're gonna end up with a mosaic career and you have to find ways that you are going to collaborate and intersect with other entities. So I love that we're under that College of Liberal Arts. But what we've only recently, in my opinion, started doing a more detailed effort in is how can we work together? So to your mm -hmm. question, yes, they, we are collaborating, but it's more on the technical side um, for this production. I love something you just said. You just said, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to have a mosaic career. Tell us, tell us what you mean by that. So first of all, I need to give credit to that saying, it comes from Amy Kirkland mm -hmm. and she, um, I learned it from her and I believe it hundred percent. What I mean by mosaic career, you know, back when I went to school in the dark ages, you were really prepared to be a teacher or a performer. Mm -hmm. And that by today's standards is not what's going to happen. And, and here at the University of Mississippi as chair of music, um, working with the faculty and, and the university at large, we're, we're really on a mission to give our students tailor-made experiences, preparing them for this mosaic career. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, yes, you will perform, but you also have to be prepared to be an entrepreneur of, of what opportunities you're going to create and develop for yourself. And that can take on many, many you know, uh, uh, forms, whether it's outreach, like you and I were discussing mm -hmm. earlier in this interview, whether that's, um, whether that's commissioning mm -hmm. new works and how do you go about doing that, whether that's promoting yourself as a business, whether that's being a teacher and 
I'll be bold in saying, I feel like I'm living a mosaic career. Mm. You know, I started out very much performing was what I did. And then as opportunities came, you know, windows crack and you decide whether to open them or doors creak open a little bit. And you decide to open them full swing. And that, that's what's really happened to me when I even came to the University of mm. Mississippi. Um, moved here in January 99 for my husband's job. He is a trumpeter and he is a trumpet professor here at the University of Mississippi. And I was gigging and whatnot. And shortly upon moving here, fell in love with the location and had the opportunity to do some teaching within the music department. And I'll be honest, when I first tried it, I thought, I don't know if this is going to be right <laughs> for me. But in my true personality, I'm like, let's try it. If, if you're good at it and it, it's working well, you keep doing it. If not, you find something else. You do something else. And it's, it's really been a profound journey. Um, I was initially staff at the University of Mississippi, then adjunct, then assistant, then associate full, and now I get to be chair. So I feel like I've, I'm getting to, to look at the, the spectrum, but everything we do here is centered on the student and, and what's gonna make them ready. So by today's standards, we have to make sure that we're giving them skills that they're, they're the most proficient they can be at their music, but then how do they connect the dots to create, let's, let's use the visualization of, of a stained glass window Mm. Right. What what are the colors and what are the shapes in that going to be? And today, if there are some still small percentage who do one thing, but mm. let's look at any career. I mean, the days of just picking that career and towing that line like my grandfather did or even my parents did is, is no more. And I'm not saying good or bad, but let, just the reality of the situation. I personally think it makes it exciting, mm. right, because you get your, your career gets to keep evolving and, and growing, but especially young people need the skills to understand how do I take those next steps? How do I connect those dots? So back to what we talked about earlier, one of mm. the reasons they're bringing Adam Gettle here, right? Mm. That, that they're really getting this glimpse at the composer. We bring in Blake, this glimpse in, into the career of Blake, working with Mary Donnelly, glimpse at mm -hmm. that, and, and hopefully they get snapshots of the possibilities and what it takes to put that mosaic career together. So if, you, if you've been in Oxford since 99, you are a true Mississippian at this point. Thank you. I mean, you've got, you got the double name, Nancy Mariah. Yes, ma'am. You know, you're, you're, you're in the South, you're in. So tell me, I want to hear, I love hearing how Mississippi kind of seeps its way into the life of an artist, into the art that they make. And I just want to hear your take on that. So I, I joke that I was raised a yinzer. That's something we say in Pennsylvania, yins. And now I'm a yaller. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Where I grew up in here have some similarities in, in the sense, very proud mm. of, of community, very proud of our people, but yet inclusive. This idea mm. of embracing and bringing people into the fold and I have to say, when I moved here, people warned me, they're like, oh, you're going to have a hard time. Or, and I, I have to be honest, I've never felt like an outsider. Mm -hmm. I've always felt welcomed. And I now take that role very seriously that I want to make sure other people, when they come here, feel welcomed. And I think we're able to do that because of the things we talked a little while ago, because of the writers who have come from here, because of the music that has come from here. And because of the food and because of those things, I mean, people will put their, um, I'll be bold. People will even put some of their biases aside, mm. right? To have those experiences around the table with food. 
in the concert hall or even at the whatever joint to, to experience the music. And that's what Mississippi really does. And I think the other thing is that Mississippians are proud. And I, I have a friend who this is her saying, and this is, I'm, I'm on her train and this miss, on this mission. We want people to be successful because they're from Mississippi, not in spite of it. Mm. And I now feel fortunate that I get to be in a role where I get to play, um, I get, a, get to play a part in that. And um, I, I really, I consider that a gift. And mm. I believe you bloom where you're planted. I didn't know I was going to end up in Oxford, Mississippi. If someone would have told me that in, in 1989 or 1995, or I wouldn't have believed it. And when we came here, it was supposed to be for a semester. And so many people say that at the university. It was supposed to be for a semester. And I actually made my husband promise me that at the time, because I'd been living in New York City, Miami, all these big cities. And I thought, what am I going to do in Oxford? And it happened so quickly upon getting here, where I was like, wow, we get to live here we get to experience this. And I want to go back to you. It's also because of organizations like the Mississippi Arts Commission, where you, to have organizations that want to lift up and advocate and support mm -hmm. the artistry and work, that, that is also hugely important and significant as to why Mississippi gets to be what Mississippi is. So I, th I could put it back to you. I thank you. <laughs> Well, the, the best part of our job is getting to see what artists and arts organizations throughout the state are doing. So it's it's really an honor to to witness it. And Oxford is so cool. I mean, you've got you know the university, the history. I mean, the writers that come from there, but also it's the, the people that are there now. You know, I mean, there's so many like artists and um, you know amazing chefs and just all kinds of, do you, do you have some favorite places in Oxford that you find particularly just inspiring or fun? or fun? Anything, anything. Well, I love to go to snack bar. Um, places I love to be, I mean, I'll be honest. Um, I just love walking on our campus. I love going to Whirlpool Trail. Um, I still love that people want to greet you and talk to you. Um, that's always mm -hmm. Uh, that's always when people come from somewhere else, they're always like, I can't believe people actually want to know how you're doing. Um, so it's hard for me to pick one place, but I, if I were picking my favorite places, I love it when I get to walk across campus. Mm -hmm. I love when I take that stroll on the Whirlpool Trail. And I love when I get to go out for a fine dinner to, to snack bar and, and also get to enjoy one of their amazing cocktails. <laughs> because <laughs> there are ingredients that I don't have at home. I always make a point when I go out, I don't order anything. This is one of my, my personal rules. I don't order what I can make at home. I mm. always, I look to the menu like, what do I, would I never make at home? And let's try it. Let, let's venture out. Let's explore. So you could definitely recommend an evening of going to snack bar and then come to see Light of Piazza, yes. right? What an yes. evening. Yes, it would be fantastic. And I, I hope people, again, visit either the Ford Center, fordcenter.org, or email me, n-m-b-a-l-a-c-h at olmiss.edu, or type in Olmiss Music Department, and you get to that homepage, and it'll take you right there. But, um, and, and I'll also open the floor if there's anything, you know, we, we would welcome folks to come check out the things that are going on here in Oxford in the music department, there's always something happening. Like we're gonna have rock bands 
this weekend. I realize people hear it after the fact, but we have two visiting artists here right now, uh, Kelly Hogan and Jenny Conley. Uh, we did this in partnership with the Sarah Isom Center. Partnerships are key. And they're here and they put a band together with some of our students and they're gonna be jamming. So we do a little bit of everything, but we do it well. That's incredible. And so one more time, tell us the dates and the times of Light at the Piazza. Great. So I will be welcoming all of you to the Ford Center at the University of Mississippi on Friday, November 19th, 7.30 p.m. Or I should say, and Sunday, November 21st at 3 p.m. And I promise you, you will have uh, a magnificent afternoon or evening where you'll be transported to Italy to enjoy an amazing time in the theater, learning about these characters, Margaret and Clara and Fabrizio. And as I said before, it's an opportunity to step outside of this crazy world we're sometimes living in that, that just is going at, at turbo pace and just be still and let the music bypass the brain, go for the heart and however it resonates on you, you know what? That's the right way. And I think coming out of COVID, these moments of getting to enjoy art with an audience is, is such a gift. Yes, it's great to have the virtual stuff, but to actually be next to other humans, right? And to, to experience the theater is, is such a gift. So please join us, come find me, say hello, and um, we'll have a grand time, I promise. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for telling us about your work and the show and just everything. And I'm just, it was great to get to talk to you. Thank you for this opportunity. And um, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel.